Can I help you? I say we send that to the girl for five dollars to do that voiceover. Looks good to me. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. That's right. gonna sound real weird as a cold open. Without any music? <laughs> no. You saying Oh, do we already a- start? <laughs> yeah. No! You you're supposed to give me the countdown, you asshole. Sorry. Three, two <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> one. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. Presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode three of No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Dark, and today we are going to be talking about Coming up with ideas and how to avoid mental blocks. What? We are? Yeah. Sweet. Something right. like that. I don't know what we're going to do, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll talk about it. You know, the, do the the same thing we always do. Have a couple drinks and talk movies. I think that's perfect. Exactly. So, but first, uh, we're going to do our usual what's new Is it section. usual if it's only the third episode? Well, it's going to be usual. Sure. Okay. That sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I'm what's okay new, uh, Trevor? Um, let's see. We are doing a lot of stuff with Cinema Summit. Um, yeah. That's our main drag these days. Um, we talked about in the last episode that we're writing a script, but you know what? You can only do so much script work in a week, so we're also working on Cinema Summit to make it a one-stop shop for everything filmmaking so people can come there and kind of, you know, just uh, hang out. Um, yeah. We got some blog posts, we got um, videos, like you said, we have some stuff from Jonathan Levine coming out uh, soon. We have Michael Russole up there right now, who did, you know, he's a fan favorite, Uh, a lot of fans of his are from Five Second Films and stuff like that, but uh, we're going to keep building it out, make it better, make it awesomer. Um, More awesome. More awesomer. Nope. More, more, more er awesomeness. Got it, nailed it. And uh, we're working on a course. Yeah, we're gonna do a course on filmmaking to, uh, you know, what? guide you guys through the process with hands-on experience. There we go. There we go. Um, what else also, is there? also, we just got a kegerator Ooh, for the office. We, my, I just gained oof. fifteen pounds looking at it. I know, but we're not now. We're we got it used, obviously, because we're Craigslist fiends. Oh, Craigslist and everything um, fiends. And yep. so now we're just checking to see if it can actually get down to an appropriate temperature. Yep, we're doing the testing phase, and then we're doing the buying phase, and then we're doing the drinking phase. Those three yep. phases of the uh, those of the, are the three phases of alcoholism. Yep, and uh, we're also looking for a, uh, a shot chiller. A shot yeah. chiller, that's correct. So once we get something finally that has gets... a minimum of two different types of shots you can put in it. Yep, and uh, once we get sponsored by. Uh, Buy an alcohol company because that tends to be what we lean towards. Um, we'll we'll fill the yeah. uh, alcohol dispenser with that. Or if a beer company wants to sponsor the podcast or Cinema Summit, we'll fill the kegerator with that. Truth. Yep. What are we drinking today, Trevor? Oh, we're drinking a little Tito's, a little soda, and vodka with a little Tito's. S- brought to you by Stage Thirty Two. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. We brought it over when we had our meeting, and they left it, and we're drinking it. So, booyah. Um, and also what's new is, uh, we have some, uh, new equipment. We always like new equipment. Uh, new, new used to us, equipment. New to us. New to us. So we got some Mac techs. Uh, if you haven't heard of Mac techs, you're not alone. Not many people have. They were kind of exclusive to Universal. They are. Yeah. Not kind of. They were exclusive. That's true. They were exclusive, exclusive to Universal Studios. And I mean, I don't know the history of Mac techs too much. I can't say that they were first before Kinos in the LED realm. Uh-huh. It was, yeah, they were. They they kind of were the first ones or a first one to take LEDs and put them in a Kino tube form yeah. factor. So they are a little different than the Kino LEDs because the Kino LEDs are just an array of LEDs. Of yeah, in like a Kino housing. These yep. are more like the, the quasars. Yeah, so they took out, it's almost like they took out the fluorescence in the bulbs and then just replaced it with LEDs. So they're individual bulbs, but they're LED bulbs. Exactly. Um, very cool. Um they new newer Mac Techs are bicolor, actually uh, full spectrum. You can I'm not full spectrum, but full. Um, oh yeah, you can you can scroll through the different color yeah, temps and all exactly. that. And, but uh, these ones uh, are just use daylight or tungsten bulbs. So we got those. We uh, set them up in the studio. Have some continuous lighting, DMX controlled. Big fan of that. Big fan of that. And we got these like monster <gasps> lights. I don't Woo! even man. 
I don't know why I like them so much. I don't, but I do. They're like oh. four foot by four foot huge uh, arrays of, what is it, 18 LED tubes? Yep. yep. Four foot LED tubes. So they pack some punch. You can see like uh, when you look them up, you see them Ooh. being used on like Chicago Fire. Whatnot, I mean, they like, will blow out there. a window and give you daylight in any Definitely. situation. They're, they're amazing. They look pretty cool. And because they're so big, it makes like a cool soft source, you know, like yep. a big soft source. Yep. And on top of that, we also, um, because you know, continuing to play along with our hives, um, we have the, I believe they're the 100 C's, is that right? Correct. The 100 C's. Um, now, if you look on Hive, they've released some newer ones that we're all the jealous 200 about. 200 C's. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the we 100... Kickstarter backers yes. for the 100 C's. Yes. And these are... Full RGB range. Yep. Um, and actually, are these CMYK? I think that that's their big thing. Yeah. Well, I forget what it is. It's not it's, CMYK. It's something else. It's something totally different. I don't even know. It's like five colors that they combine together to create yeah. white light. But these things are sick. Um, we actually have to update the firmware because they just released. Uh, if they haven't released it yet, they're going. They're about to. Um, it was um, the the effects, so we're gonna get fireplace. Oh, yeah. We're gonna get uh, police lights. Um, oh, we got yeah. ten of these bad boys. We're renting them out, but we're also using them. They are amazing, Bluetooth controlled. They have an app that you can control with your phone. These things are sick. Um, DMX controlled as well, so we're gonna have DMX throughout our studio. Um, yep. Be able to control them directly from a DMX board. Love them. I love these hives. Totes. So if you guys want to rent from us, if you're in the LA area, you can go on ShareGrid and rent from us by searching for Gilded Cinema. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check it out. Uh, obviously, only in the uh, LA area. Yeah. I mean, uh, we don't ship for rent. So. No, no, we don't. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, check out Cinema, Gilded Cinema on uh, ShareGrid and rent those bad boys. They're awesome. We love them. We recommend them for everyone. Low power and bright and Super beautiful. Bright. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get on to the main topic of the show today. All right, let's do it. Coming and up with ideas. Ideas. Um, so so it, it, this is for all the people out there. I mean, when we talk about no-budget filmmaking, you're thinking of multiple people doing multiple roles. And for us, that means we tend to write our own stuff, and we tend to shoot our own stuff, and we also tend to edit our own stuff. And that being said, you kind of run out of ideas when you're doing your own stuff all the time. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of hard to uh, come up with ideas, but uh, we keep seem, seeming to turn out ideas that are good or bad, but they are ideas. They're unique ideas. So yeah. I'll take it. So what, uh, first let's talk about like brainstorming, right? I guess that's sort of one way to come up with ideas. Um, do you ever like actively brainstorm or do you just come up with stuff and then you're like, Oh, I need to write that down. That is what it is. I don't actively sit there and brainstorm. Um, I, you know what I tend to do? I, I have a little pad, a little notebook. It's called a It's called field notes. Um, yeah. people, I don't know if Classic. people know about them. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know about them, but this is a little notebook can fit in the back pocket. Um, I carry it around with me all the time with a pen. Uh, it's a Fisher space pen. It's, it compresses, Breaks down to a very small, small, um, you know, pocket size, I guess you could say. And then it, it, it kind of opens up and it's a full size pen. And so I carry that around in my pockets. Yeah. Uh, as well as other things. But uh, I carry that around with me all day. And whenever I have an idea pop in my head, I just kind of write it down. Just kind of something to explore later. Um, you know, there's tons of sources for ideas. Uh, listening to the news, um, reading articles. Um, Kind of, I don't know, it, it's kind of, if you just expose yourself to new things, um, you know, don't isolate yourself, and I, I, I you mean, Alex kind of made fun of parties in film school where everyone would just talk about film, yeah. know, the movies they saw, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that's cool, but let's talk about other things. So just get some other interests out there in, in, in the world, um, and you'll, you'll see it's a lot, of, a lot of times you'll find things that are interesting, and you'll start thinking about how you could turn it into a movie or a short or a web series. Totally. Totally. I also don't necessarily sit down and brainstorm, although I, I think I do to a certain extent. I don't call it brainstorming, but there are times where I will actively seek out inspiration. Does that oh, make sense? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. All you know right. what I mean? Where it's like I'm feeling sort of 
uh, I, like I'm lacking ideas or creativity. And so I'll say, oh, you know, what? I need to like go be inspired by something. And whether that's like reading uh, articles, like you said, or um, watching a TV show or like a documentary mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or the news, I'll just say, you know what? I, I'd love to come up with some new idea. Yeah. Um, I just, I can't just sit here and pull it out of thin air. So I'm going to try to expose myself to different things that maybe will like spark my interest. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how many times I've, me and Alex have been um, on Larry King and then we have somebody in, you know, a quote unquote expert and he'll start talking about stuff and we'll we'll text each other or we'll talk after the, the, the taping and say, oh my God, like, what about this as a movie or what about this as an idea behind the movie or stuff like that. And Inspiration can come from anywhere. So if you just have a way to, you know, mark it down when you have an idea or an inspira- a piece of inspiration, helps out. You can always go back to it later. Definitely. And having someone to bounce ideas off is a good way Ooh, also to write yeah. those ideas down. That's the last time I had an idea for a movie. It came from an interview that was on Howard Stern, actually. And then actually Larry King had someone come on talking about the same thing. Um, but right after I heard the interview and I sort of had this idea, I immediately, uh, G chatted Trevor and said, Hey, what about this idea? And that's, I, that's kind of how I wrote it down. Basically. I didn't even yeah. write it down anywhere else. Yeah. And then, you know, if I don't have my notebook with me or something like that, it's, I mean, G chat keeps a history of everything. So I tend to, because me and Alex are producing writing and, you know, basically business partners, we kind of do all of our shoots together. I tend to run all my ideas by Alex, and so that's kind of a... It, it's another way of being like, oh, this is... Alex will say this is dumb. I don't know if this will work. Um, I know a lot of times Alex has sent me ideas, and we'll both say, I don't know if this is like an idea that could be used for an entire sh- uh, entire movie. Yeah, it's but just like a fragment. It's a fragment, and then it builds from there. And it... The um, expert, I believe... Well, actually, it, those, the script we're writing right now is an idea that came off of Alex uh, reading an article about if we live in a simulation. Um, and God, Again, that one, it was an article, an interview. It was yeah. all the things combined because actually, uh, who was it? Reggie Watts came on as a guest for Larry King, and he just said one thing. It, was, it wasn't even the focus of the interview, but he just had a statement where he was saying like, Larry was talking to him about like, you know, if he believes in heaven or whatever, like the afterlife or whatever. And Reggie Watts kind of jokingly said something about like, well, we're all living in a simulation or something like that. Yeah. And so I thought that was funny and interesting. But then I read an article later about someone finding binary code in DNA or something like that. And so then an idea kind of spiraled from those two things combined. Yeah. And, and again, Alex shot me, um, a text about it, and we thought about it a little bit, and then I brought in my history of working with uh, the School of Gerontology at USC. I was the kind of like video person there and all that, and we uh, we kind of fleshed out the idea with other other aspects of it. So it, from this one article and one snippet of an interview, um, it grew from just an idea, kind of like uh, incubated idea that we sat on for a while, and then it became an entire script, and we just kind of fleshed it out more and more. And it, you know, it, it could come from anywhere. Yeah. And I do think um, there's something about the idea I've heard writers say, like you can't wait for inspiration, you know? So I do think there yeah. is a way to make yourself come up with ideas. And I've kind of tried to toy with that recently. Um, and I don't know if it's working yet, but basically... My thought is if you have certain things that you're drawn to in stories and in scripts or books or whatever you happen to be into, um, sort of mining that idea and saying, why, what is it about that that I'm interested in? Or like, why do I find this so intriguing or so uh, unique or whatever? Mm-hmm. And trying to boil it down to kind of like the core of the idea. And then saying, okay, does that core apply to anything else? And then sort of shifting it over somewhere else. And 
that's kind of like the seed of the idea. Does that make sense? No, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I guess this is going to sound really not kind of like up my own ass, but I've had the luxury of like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I have the luxury of like, not that I have great ideas, but I've just kept little snippets so much in the back of my head and in, in a, like a notebook that I've never felt that I had to sit down and brainstorm because I had no ideas. I think I have like, you know, just, I have the basis of like 10 or 15 scripts in the back of my head that if it came down and so I was like, I need a script idea right now from you, um, I could I could come up with one. Sure. And so I don't know if I know how to sit down and brainstorm in terms of like what I feel. Because I, I mean, I think this goes without saying, and I think this goes for you, you have to be interested in what you're writing about to even write. Like 100%. If, if I'm not interested in it, like that's why I find it so hard that if somebody said, hey, would you do a rewrite on the script? And if I didn't like the script, I'd probably be like, no. <laughs> because it's like not interesting to me. And yeah. I know I have a lot of friends who ask me to read their scripts and um um you know if I I I, I do it cuz they're friends, it's harder for me if I don't find what they're doing interesting. Um yeah. but that being said, so, you know, this is going off on a tangent, but I mean, I think it's harder for me to to just sit there and be like, I need to brainstorm. I need to come up with an idea because I need to be invested in it. I need to be interested in it. Um, and so I don't feel that I could be interested in something if I'm forcing myself to come up with an idea, which luckily I haven't had to do that yet because I have enough ideas that I could run through I, you know, different genres if I needed to write a script. But yeah. you said you've sat and brainstormed and forced yourself to brainstorm. I don't know. I have because I there's plenty of times where it just sort of magically comes to me or whatever by luck really or like I happen to be in the right place at the right time like with that Larry King interview or listening to that um uh interview with uh <sighs> what's his name I just uh, why why Amon Dr. Amon Yeah yeah uh the brain guy Yep yep um, on Howard Stern is where I heard it first. Was it the same guy? I don't actually remember, okay. but it was the same topic. Yeah. So I was listening to Howard Stern, but that was kind of like by chance. Right? I just happened to be listening to it. And so sometimes I, I, I tend to, like you said, stick within my bubble mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, I'm just going to listen to film podcasts on the way to the gym or on the way to work or whatever. And I don't really branch out. And so sometimes it's maybe not necessarily that I feel like I need to come up with ideas, but I'm just like, Oh, maybe I should open myself up because if I just stick to this normal junk that I listen to all the time, yeah. uh, I'm not really going to broaden my horizons. You know, maybe I should try a podcast about something else totally unrelated or, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's not necessarily me being like, oh, I really need to come up with an idea right now. It's more just like, well, maybe I should open myself up to ideas happening. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah. Uh, Alex likes to make fun of me a lot about the fact that I sometimes listen to uh, NPR or it's, um, <laughs> you know, here, you know, I it, it, what it is. What it is is that I listen to Morning Becomers Eclectic on KCRW, and then that turns in the news after a certain time, so it's just on, and so I tend to listen to it. And that actually has some interesting... Not, you know, the stories aren't always interesting, or the stories are very like dry and all that, but every once in a while there's a story on there that I hear, and I'm like, oh wait, that'd make a good movie, or that's a good basis for a movie. Mm -hmm. um, granted, I've been listening to podcasts more than NPR recently, but... I mean, it's just one of those ideas, like, taking all the information you can, like, just pick up a paper sometimes. Sometimes the, they always say that sometimes um, fact is stranger than fiction. You will find, I mean, this is, sounds very uh, morose and all that, but you will find that, like, murder cases are far more interesting than anything anybody could write. I mean, you could, uh, like, just think about it. Okay, so... Um, they just arrested the Golden State Killer uh, after I think forty years of being, you know, on the run, and they did it by. Um, they had the DNA from the crime scenes. They went on DNA services like Twenty Three and Me or Ancestry and all that, and they started trying to match this 
DNA profile that they had for the killer to like distant relatives. And they found the guy by like finding a third cousin and then connecting all the family members that it possibly could be and figuring out where they lived at the certain time that the crimes committed, where, you know, what their age was, all this stuff. And that right there is freaking awesome. And you could write a script based on that easily. You totally. Could, like, like, you know, I mean, me and Alex tend to go to the sci-fi. Well, you could do, a, you know, DNA, like everyone when they're born, the DNA is in a database. And you can't commit a crime. Like th- that kind of stuff. Like there's so many options you could do with that, with just that as the basis. And that's just pulled from... As as uh, Law and Order would say, ripped from the headlines. Yeah, um, but definitely. Yeah, totally. And I don't make fun of you for listening to NPR. I yes, like to do. make fun of NPR mostly because I think of the uh, the SNL version of NPR. You mean the one where the the two women are talking about cooking and they it's just the they, sweaty balls with uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, totally. And I think I also remember. Back in the old film school days, um, me and some of my friends, we would just kind of sit around. <laughs> actually, had a BJ's for some reason. Cause oh, was, hey, whoa, easy, yeah, whoa, 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 this is a children's show. Is this? I hope not. I hope this is a um, children's show. Then we're fucked. Our friend Logan uh, lived in Westwood, and he really liked BJ's, this restaurant. It's good. I and, mean, I'm, I make fun of it, but it's it's good. I like it's BJ's. Good. And we would go there all the Don't time. Don't we all? But uh, I, in my... And they used to really like uh, having these sort of idea sessions where we would just come up with all all these ideas. And basically what I would do is just any inspiration I got at any given moment, like whatever popped into my head, I would kind of just say it in a story form and throw out all these ideas. And what's funny is, they were mostly garbage and really stupid. And yeah. 90% of them I said knowing that they sucked and they weren't real ideas. It was kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, one would come up and they'd be like, oh man, that's a really good idea. You know, and I think yeah, there's it's like a lot of times ideas are inside your brain and you just need to sort of uh, give yourself permission to just kind of regurgitate them or just like pop them out, you know? Speaking of, do you like those like idea sessions where you're around with six like you know four to six other people and you guys are just spitting out ideas i like it i am it it gets old really fast uh i think because or it can um especially if you take my method of Uh just throwing out garbage yeah um, uh and thinking you're really funny a lot um a lot of my ideas had to do with uh trees you know like the growing of trees or people filming trees yeah (laughs) Uh, every time I had nothing to say, I would just spit out an idea about that was just the worst. You know, yeah. like two guys sitting in an apartment making a film about two guys in an apartment. You know, like the worst idea you could ever come up with. Um, I would just say all those and then eventually come around to the good ideas, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, I. I imagine it'd be very annoying to do it with someone like that, aka me. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's hard for me because I'm not one to be like... The initial creative side can't be forced in my, in my like, creative process. And I feel that those idea things are kind of forced where you have to come with your ideas and all that. Um, but we didn't come with ideas is the thing. Okay. We were just coming up... It was almost like we were just chatting and then... We're like, oh, we should come up with ideas for something, and then it just kind of happened. Um, it wasn't like you need to come with ten ideas. Okay, and, you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess it's just for me. Like, I like the organic of it. Just like kind of, kind of like, oh, this interests me. Let me, you know, which, <laughs> you know, I say this, but it's kind of funny because uh, an idea. I don't know if I should say this idea because I don't want anybody to steal it. It's a pretty damn good idea. But our, our, the, Is it the Mickey Mouse one? Because it's already been taken. Walt Disney did that. Uh, um, well, it's the... Um, when Alex lived downtown, we would often meet up at one of our apartments. And we were sitting around drinking some beers. And ah, yes. we were <laughs> contemplating what kind of a script we should write. Yeah. And it was one of those things... like. 
I laugh at people when they do this, but this is exactly how this happened. Is like when they are like, you know, what's hot right now? What's popular? Um, yeah, what is popular, Trevor? Tell me. Um, and it was like, at that time it was aliens. Yeah, and zombies. Check, 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 check. So we came up with an idea with aliens and zombies. Yeah, and that was. I feel like that was probably the most forced we've ever had an idea. Where it was like, we need to come up with an idea tonight after we finish this case yeah. of beer. Yeah. For our next project. Um, right, but we didn't even really need to at that point. It wasn't like we were... No, that's true. We had like I don't know why we, why, why we decided that after drinking a bunch of beer, we should come up with a script idea. Yeah, I don't remember, obviously. Um, the but because of the beer. Yeah. Um, and so... I mean, but that, that it, turned into a that, pretty cool idea. A cool idea that I'm really stoked doesn't about. sound cool when you just say it's about yeah. alien zombies yeah. and stuff. No, um, but like that is that is probably the most forced I've ever been with coming up with an idea. Like I, you know, I've just other than being in film school and like going to screenwriting class, and then being like, you have to come with four ideas next week. Yeah. It's now like, let uh, me ask you this: If you were a screenwriter. Professionally, okay. like yeah. that—that's all you did. That's right? all I did. Okay. You, your job was to sit in front of a computer mm-hmm. with a blank screen yeah. and type. Yeah. Um, do you suppose? And how long would you say you've been, you know, working in the film industry now? Like at least fifteen years, right? Yeah, about fifteen years. Um, in that fifteen years, would you say by now you would have exhausted all the ideas in your little notebook, or do you think? Um, you have enough ideas to fill 15 years of writing or would you have to actually force yourself to come up with ideas from time to time? It's hard to say because I feel that if I was, I mean, I feel if I was just a strictly a screenwriter where that's all I did, I woke up, my job was nothing else but a screenwriter. I feel I probably would have done a lot of more of the ideas that are in my notebook, but have at the same time thought of other ideas because I've been in the screenwriting mode, you know, like right now I'm in the director editor mode and I'm, yeah. you know, and so I, you're not, you're not again, but that's, isn't that the same thing of like, you're not actively in like the writing mode, but isn't putting yourself actively in the writing mode the same as like making yourself come up with ideas. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think I would go like sit there on a blank page and be like, all right, I need to write a script about so and so. I think what I do is I would, knowing me, I would go, I would go read news. I would go, um, and that's what I do now. I just would probably do more of it because I'd have more time. Now, uh, what about this? So our our uh, friend, former uh, USC professor. Angus Fletcher. Angus Fletcher. Well, he wasn't uh, our professor, but... Yeah, he wasn't our professor, but he was a professor at USC uh, in the theater program. And now I think he's the head of the film department at... Ohio State? Ohio right? State University. Something like that, yeah. Uh, shout out to Angus Fletcher. What up, uh, Angus? Great screenwriter. He yeah. Actually, he won the nickel uh, <sighs> several years back. Crazy guy. Um, and now he, he gets, like, assignments, writing assignments. Yeah. So if someone came to you and was like, I need you to write... Uh, the Tooth Fairy Part Two, right? Yeah. Um, would you say that in that scenario, you might have to force yourself to come up with Tooth Fairy ideas? I hate to say this that you hadn't already come up with. <laughs> I hate to say this because I don't want to be that guy, but it depends on how my other scripts have done. And how many zeros are behind that first number on the check for, to writing the Tooth Fairy movie? I don't want to be that guy, but it's kind of one of those things to force my. It, it's, you know, oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name. Um, I'm gonna look it up right now, actually, so I don't butcher his name. Um, John Turtletop. Yeah. You, you remember we went to a Q and A with him. Yeah. And. Um. He directed, for those who don't know, he directed uh, National Treasure. I don't know if he directed the second one as well. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he did. Um, he also directed, like, Phenomenon with John Travolta and all that. And he said that, you know, waking up at 6 a.m. is hard. But they're paying you a lot of money to wake up at 6 a.m. Yeah. To go to set and shoot something that is National Treasure or, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, Phenomenal. And write the Tooth Fairy Part 2. And write the Tooth Fairy Part 2. And so, 
I don't want to say that. I mean, it's like Ron Perlman. I love Ron Perlman. I think he's a great actor, but he has said in public he'll give anything, he'll do any role that somebody's paying for him because he has a family to feed. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I would hope that I'm never at the position where I have to take a job like writing Tooth Fairy 2. Um, not saying that there's anything wrong with that to somebody who does, but I it's love. It's just not up your alley. Not up my alley. I mean, I but mean. But that's what I'm asking, right? So, like. Okay, let's say the the number was big enough, like it was ten million, to write a movie that you know maybe not is so far out of your wheelhouse, like Tooth Fairy or whatever, but like something uh, maybe it's just like a straight drama about a topic that you don't have any you know previous yeah. notions about. How would you go about? Well, if it was like a drama about a subject that's a real life subject, like you know, like I mean, I trying to even think like infidelity or something you know something like yeah that. i'm the type of person that loves researching and like learning new shit so i would just i'd find a way to do it by just researching about infidelity like what causes infidelity blah 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 i love that kind of stuff and i like putting in a script meanings that maybe the audience doesn't know about or is, is hard to see and so i would i would i would find a way to psych myself up like i would be like all right like i you know what even if they're not paying me tons of money, I'd be like, all right, well, you know what? It's a job. It's not my dream job, but I can, I can churn out something that I'm okay with. Yeah. Now, this, this is, of course, coming from a guy who would jump at the chance to do a Star Wars movie. So I tell you, the man who <laughs> wouldn't do jump at the chance to do a Star Wars movie, what yeah. if someone came to you and said, hey, I want you to do a movie because you're a sci-fi horror guy. I you're a sci-fi like horror. Uh, I think you also would be down for some action. Sure. Um, yeah. But and say, drama, yeah, and thriller, yeah, mystery, but, yeah. suspense. But somebody says, okay, somebody comes to you and says, I want you to do a kid's movie, a children's movie. Yeah. I want you to write it. Mm -hmm. What say you? What would I say to them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, sure, why not? Okay. Uh, I guess, we, like you said, it depends on what we're doing. But yeah, um, I'm not one to turn down money if it comes my way. No, that's true. But I mean, how do you psych yourself up to do that? Or how do you like put pen to paper on something that you're not excited about. There's a blank blinking cursor on the screen in front of you. Yeah. Um, Especially, okay, so you gave me the scenario of like Tooth Fairy 2. Yeah. What if it's somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have this kind of vague idea for a kid's movie. Mm -hmm. It's not a sequel of anything, so you got to come up with the whole idea yourself. What do you do? I would say, well, my first thought 100% would be, um, I don't think my uh, tonal tendencies lines up with this project. <laughs> but okay. uh, but that's, a, that's another thing. It's like, why would they come to us? Because it's like, sure. we, we don't, you know, but I mean, but go ahead. Uh, Continue on. Yes. Uh, so there's that. Mm -hmm. But if they, they insisted, they were like, no, no, no. I saw your horror project uh, and great, think yeah. that it really would work well with this idea, then I'd say, okay. Um, but how, okay. Not, it's not the question of, would you say, okay, it's how do you amp yourself up or how do you get yourself going on that project? Well, no matter what, I think it's harder to get amped up about a project that's not yours. Yeah. So if, oh, you didn't, if you didn't come up with the idea or mm -hmm. even like the concept or whatever, yep. um, it's hard as a, for me, a director or even a producer, even if it's not even like a really creative role yeah. to get stoked about that project. Um, so I think that's kind of a different, different question in general. But my main notion was with asking you that question to get to the point that, um, like you mentioned if someone came to you with that idea, you would do the research and psych yourself up about it. But that's only like one step removed from forcing yourself to come up with an idea. Like someone yeah. literally just came to you and said, here's... I need a thriller. Here's... Yeah. And then yeah. you did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's totally possible. Yeah. And I don't think it would necessarily mean that whatever comes from that is of less integrity. No. No. I mean, I... I I feel that we definitely are the kind of creatives that, like, we're not going to half-ass it. But, I mean, it's still, like, it's still a struggle to get started 
on the process because especially when it's something we didn't create, it's not our idea and it's something that's not necessarily in our wheelhouse. It's like, you know, it's that initial, like, you know, they always say when you're writing a script, just put everything on the paper. But if you don't have any idea at the beginning of what's going to go on that paper, because it's not your idea and it's like just out of the blue, it's hard. It's hard. You got to just sit there and say, you know what? I'm just going to shoot out an idea. And I think that is where it comes it comes in very handy to have somebody bounce ideas off. Sure. Like, it's like, hey, okay, here's an idea. Okay. Uh, an evil monkey yep. is going against... Uh, Rampage. For- damn. Oh. Damn. Oh, damn. evil monkey. It's a, it's a well, nice monkey. He's a nice monkey. monkey. Nice um, monkey. But, it, but you shoot ideas... Amy, that- want green drop drink. And that's why I think it's good to have a writing partner. You know, I, I, I feel... I, I am honestly just impressed by people who write alone. Because... Is so nice to be able to shoot an idea off someone because, like, all of our ideas have kind of been like, I shoot you an idea, you're like, oh, that's good. What if we add this in there? Or you shoot me an idea, yeah. you're like, what about this? And what if we do this? And what if we add this? And it's like bouncing ideas. It's like, oh my god, I didn't even think about that, but that makes it so much better. Yeah, um, and it's almost. Uh, I I feel like uh, a solo writer would sort of get those notes from someone after they already wrote the draft, but it's yeah. nice to get them kind of along the way. Oh, just in, in, in even in the outlining or like idea brainstorming session, yeah. it's like it can add so much to the final script. Totally. Definitely agree with that. So now let's say you have an idea. Okay. Um, I don't, but... And when you come up with ideas, yeah. do you... Are they generally like f- kind of fleshed out into full stories or is it kind of like a concept? Concept. Usually always a concept for me. Um, yeah, me too. Like, um, let's talk about the horror movie that we're writing, the straight horror. Yep. Um, where it was an idea that I heard from a story and the story took place in like 1978. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, you know, it's not even, a, it's not even always a concept. It's like, it's like a, an action that causes a reaction that pushes the whole movie forward, that starts the whole movie. That's right. a, that happens to be a lot of it. Yeah, um, or like a like a conflict. Yeah, it's like the conflict yeah. that is very interesting. Like for the horror movie that we're writing, that one is like that was just like an event that happened. That I thought, what if this was heightened with other aspects? Right, and so it was like I didn't flesh it out. I had no idea. I just wrote it down. And I think I told you about it. I was like, oh my God, dude, what about this idea? Yeah. And and I was like, holy crap, that's so good. <laughs> and so that was that was like a just an like an event that had happened a long time ago. And the one aspect of the event that I thought was so interesting and like, oh my God, I never knew that or never thought about that, that could that could be added to any situation and make it that much worse. Yeah. Um and so I mean I, I rarely think it's fleshed out. I think it's a concept or it's uh, one single aspect of the entire story that sparks my desire to like f- flesh it out completely. Yeah. It all for me too. It's it's like a sentence. Yeah. Or like a just a an idea nugget. Yeah. You know what I mean? That just a small which actually nugget. comes down it, it creates a bigger problem later on in the script writing process because I feel like I come up with these ideas a lot of times, um, these sort of one sentence like, oh man, that's like the really high concept, uh, boiled down idea. But then when it comes down to saying, okay, where is this actually going in a full story? That's where I'm like, oh man, I know, I know the beginning. I got the first part of the, uh, of act two. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the middle shenanigans of act two that yeah. tend to really mess me up. And then, and then wrapping it up in a nice ending. Yeah. Cause a lot of my stuff, I'm like, ah, I just don't want it to, I, I don't want to do like the, the wrap up of like the super nice bow yeah. a lot of times. I hate that. Now, do you feel because a lot of our stuff is, and a lot, I mean, I say our stuff, but even our individual stuff tends to be the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, stuff, 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 stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, do you feel that when we're writing, because our ideas come from a little sentence or a little nugget uh, or something, you know, just a little eh, to to jumpstart it, that we mm-hmm. tend to not have the whole story fleshed out? And when we're writing, 
we don't really have that ending or we don't really have like the arcs that we should because it's more about like the events rather than the story building. Um, I'll say that stuff comes in the outline phase for us. I know that yeah. we we tend to do an outline and then from there we go into like uh index card type uh, uh strategy. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the bigger problem for me is because it comes down to this core concept, I don't feel the characters yeah. are developed enough. Yep. And so a lot of times I feel like the rewrites have to do more with like character development than than the yeah. story and stuff I, like that. I feel that a lot of the times because our ideas are based on concept or events or a general idea that it's more of a like a bump but dump but dump but dump but dump but just like this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, this yeah, happens, yeah, yeah. this happens, this happens, this happens, that's it. Done. It's like <laughs> yeah. well what's the point of watching that? <laughs> like, come on. And we gotta watch ourselves a lot because we go back and we're like, wait a second. Why is this why is this person even in here? Why is this scene in here? It does nothing to propel the story. It's just we feel it should have been in there. And that's what we gotta catch ourselves. A lot is like, oh my gosh, this is the concept's cool, but now we have characters in here that need to actually have a reason to be doing this stuff. Yeah. <sighs> and you toe the line of being like the super cheesy, like, you know, like in especially in horror movies, it's like this stereotypical like I'm the jock, so I'm going to be the hero. And I'm the shy girl, so I'm not, you know, and that stuff. And, and, yeah, sort and, of the and, archetypes or and whatever. you get so stereotypical characters because it's based on a concept, not based on character development. And it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. And I think uh, it just, for me, the characters are probably, like, I see them as the most important part of the script. Uh, but at the same time, I am not able to, when do you see that they're the important part of the, well, I, I feel like from a screenwriting standpoint or for like, you're done with the fifth draft. You're like, you know what? I think the characters are important in this. Yeah, 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 (laughs) definitely. (laughs) No, if we could do this all with, uh, with no characters, (laughs) great movie. No, I think, uh, you know, characters and their connect, the audience's connection to the characters is probably the most important part of a movie because to me like movies like for example um oceans 11 right okay it's got a a cool concept it's like the plot is really cool right Mm -hmm. but i personally don't connect with any of those people so therefore the movie itself doesn't connect with me even though okay. I recognize that the the idea is cool and like what they're doing is kind of cool or whatever, yeah. Um, and so, like I know that in the back of my mind mm-hmm. that no matter how cool my concept is or like my idea and the plot, yeah, it doesn't matter if the people can't connect to the characters. And yeah. so I know that it's just a matter of executing that. Yeah, because I feel like you toe a very fine line when you're doing character development of like being super cheesy and super, and, and this is goes back to what we talked in the last podcast of like our dialogue. Like once you get into dialogue as a form of character development, rather than actions, like developing the character, you're getting into just some like really cheesy stuff of like, yeah. you know, I don't want your life. It's like, Oh, come <laughs> on. No, no yeah. offense to a varsity blues fans, but it's that kind of stuff of like, it's so touchy to de- develop a character without it being very like telling someone this is the character's development. Yeah. We had to uh, uh, go through our scripts and like shave off the nose, basically. Like everything was on the nose and we just had to knock off the nose. And you, you can't assume that the audience, you, got, you can't treat your audience as stupid. You just can't. So, you but know. At the same time, you can't. It, again, this, assume, is a, yeah. this is another fine line because, yes, you can't uh, treat your audience like they're stupid and explain everything to them, like mm-hmm. overly explain. But at mm-hmm. the same time, if you don't give them enough information, it's just going to be really confusing. And this is that was my biggest problem in film school with my student projects because I desperately wanted to avoid being cheesy and uh, explaining too much, like doing the whole like exposition dialogue method so okay. 
I tried to like give the audience way more benefit of the doubt saying like, I'll just, it'll just exist and they'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But that also doesn't work. You know, there's kind of like this it is a fine line. Cause if you just put it out there and be like, and beat them the, over the head with it, they're going to be like, Oh, you think I'm dumb? Right. Um, and, and they'll th- feel it and, and they won't like it. I saw this hilarious. Um, uh, I think it was either a tweet or somebody posted on Reddit is like, you know, I've gone th- the last 10 years I've gone through watching shows that I feel insulted my intelligence and then I started watching Westworld, and I feel like I'm a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> that, like that is the thing. Is like it's like you're you're you run the risk of like playing down your audience and thinking they're dumb by showing them everything. But then at the same time, you also run the risk of everyone being like, like I I don't understand the show. I need to, or I don't understand this movie. I'm just gonna disconnect and I'm done with it. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you Again, to me, one of the most interesting parts about any movie is the mystery, like mystery, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's like a romance or it's, it's an action or whatever. Yeah. It's like the mystery parts, what's intriguing to me. Um, but if it's so like beyond, like I, I don't feel like I can kind of guess what's going on or like I have an idea, um, then I'm just bored at that point, you know, because I feel like, okay, they're not really showing me what's going on. So it's not, it doesn't matter how invested I am. It's just going to, you know, be figured out at the end and then I'll figure it out when everyone else figures it out, figures it out. So I'm not like invested in the process. But you know, what's funny about that is that in this day and age, it's so, it's even more of a fine line because you don't want to, like if you don't give it all away, it almost leads to people jumping online and talking about it and discussion about your movie or about your short film or about your web web series or about anything just leads to more involvement with the community. Yeah. And it also will lead to people double-checking, you know, having a second viewing just because they want to see things they didn't see. So, like, I, you got to keep them engaged, but at the same time, not completely kind of push them away because you're trying to be too smart for your own good. Yeah. I feel like that idea has become way more popular though now with series because with movies, it was way more annoying, you know, because it's just like one and done and maybe there would be a sequel or something, but it's like you're just left to be confused or like thinking what you think about it. But with a series, it's like on an episode by episode basis. So you can go online and talk about it and then see if it pans out in the next episode or at the end of the season or whatever. And so, yeah, that makes total sense. And I, I love that part about series, um, being able to say, Oh man, like when uh true detective came out, man, the love first that. one, I, I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, uh, what could it possibly be? And I would like, we'd have theories yep. come into work, talk yep. to everyone about it. Um, and that, and that's part of the fun, you know, but let me tell you how much my wife hates open-ended endings. Hates them. Sure. Like, but like, in a, in a series context or in a movie context or both, both, I think she's okay on a series because she expect like she like, expects that it's going to get wrapped up at some point. Yeah, but unless if, like, it's she, lost. Yeah, like or or if it's a sh- yeah, <laughs> um, or but if it's like a show that gets canceled, she's like, what the? F? Oh yeah, like, that's the worst. Like, but like if it's a movie where it's like you know like the end of the. Uh, the movie, the hero lays down and just stares up at the at the ceiling, yeah. and the camera, you know, cranes up and fades out. She's like, "What the fuck? Tell <laughs> what me what happened that? to him. Did he die? Did he survive? What the fuck is that bullshit?" So I mean, potty it, mouth. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. If you only she's knew. got a potty mouth. Yeah. Um, um. So it's like one of those yeah. things where it's like, oh God, if you know, it, it's it's good to have the mystery. But at the same time, you like you're you're alienating people. I think you're alienating people a lot more if you don't give away the stuff than you would if you do. I think yeah. people will still be like, "Oh, that was cool," but if you don't, people will be pissed off. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, all right, so wow, that uh, was we just we went, went all over the place crazy. Yeah. But there's one last thing I wanted to kind of talk about. We kind of touched on it a little okay. bit. Okay, all right, what do you got? Um. But 
I want to talk about avoiding mental blocks when you're in the writing, like when you're developing your idea into a a fleshed out mm-hmm. outline like an or like a treatment or whatever. How do you get over like that stuck feeling? I think, you know, it, it's cliche to say, but I honestly think the just get it down on paper, nothing's permanent. That's just a good get, mentality. To, just to get it down go and go. Like, like if it's like, all right, your character, you've painted your character into a corner and they can't get out. Be like, okay, well, character punches all five guys in the face <laughs> and runs away. It's like, that's dumb, but now he's out of there. And now you can come back to it later and be like, okay. I think of a better way to get my character out of there, or yeah. I got it. Like, or even just writing down all the options. It's yeah. like, okay, so here's one option: he punches all five guys in the face. But mm, another option, option is he digs through the floor oh, and escapes I through about the that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah through the through sewer the system. Yeah, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Um, um, I mean, it, like, if you get caught up on one little thing, you're never gonna finish. You're gonna find an excuse not to finish. You're just gonna be like, ah, eh, you know what? Um, I think I'm good. I think I'm just gonna man, whatever. Uh, I, I don't like this script because I'm stuck. Um, yeah. If you just so write you, it down and move on to the other stuff, you'll be fine. You just try to bulldoze and then you yeah. come through. Bulldoze and because no script is going to be perfect the first time you write it. No outline is going to be perfect the first time you write it. I mean, you're if you go from outline, if you look at first draft of outline to I want to say even first draft of script, it's so much different because things change so much in your mind. And, yeah, and things like outlines are so, um, you know, not fully detailed. So when you actually yeah. start filling in the details, it starts changing things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I, you just got to bulldoze. You got to bulldoze because you can change anything you want. And, and you know, I've, I've not experienced this yet. Um, you know, I'm... I'm I'm a director first, screenwriter second, and so I I feel so bad saying that it's kind of bullshit. I don't know because I've never experienced it, so I can easily say it's bullshit, but it might be true. You know, have you ever heard writers where they're like, you know what? I just did not expect this is where my character was going to go. I just, <laughs> just I did not yeah. realize this is where it's my like, character was oh, going to end up. It's like wait, the character what? surprised me. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, but but, and maybe that's just because I'm not an experienced writer, as some of these people that are saying it, and they're like. The best, but I think I, I think that it they say it that way, and it's it's a little bit of an exaggeration, you know what I mean, or just like uh, uh, flowery lang- flowery language on their part to say it that way. But really, what they mean is uh, basically exactly what I said earlier, where it's like I planned it out this way. As I started filling in the details, I realized it had to go a different way. Yeah, and that's that's what I can assume because it my character surprised me. Screw you, no, it didn't. <laughs> you were writing it. Um it just surprised you which way it went. Um But yeah, I mean I think you just gotta power through you just gotta hammer through it and come back and knowing that you can come back later. I mean every it's kinda funny because everyone says like, Oh, my first draft of a script was hundred and forty pages long. Well, our first draft of our first script that we ever did together was 70. And like, oh, yeah. man, this oh, no. sucks. Oh, no, we just didn't put enough in. And then we did it again, and it was 130 with too much dialogue. We're like, oh, oh, that sucks. But you're always rewriting. And so if you don't understand that, then you're just going to get stuck, and you're just like, eh, I, I, I give up on this because I don't know where to go with it. How do you get through mental blocks? Yeah, I think I think it's about the same. I mean, you got to kind of just get over it and move on. A lot of times what I'll do, even even if I can't come up with an acceptable, you know, like the baseline acceptable uh-huh. solution or whatever, it's yeah. like whatever the scene is that I'm having trouble with, if I can't come up with something that I find even remotely acceptable, I'll just skip it completely. Really? Yeah, and go to a different part of the outline. You know, I'll say, okay, well, I know it's going to end up here, or it has to end up this way, so I'll start going backwards or something like that. Um, So your character will be stuck somewhere, and all of a sudden you'll be like, ah, skip it, I can't figure this out. And then he'll be in Africa, and you'll be like, "Okay, all right, good." I'm <laughs> no, I don't. I don't skip it in linear order. I just mean like I go from the beginning uh, of Act Two, and I jump to the end of Act Three and work my way backwards. Okay, instead right. of trying to power through something that I can't 
get my mind around. Yeah, I mean, I think always things evolve in a script. And so I don't feel there's anything wrong. Like, whatever you could do to get away from being blocked and finishing stuff. Um, just do it. Just do it. Like, there's, there should be nothing stopping you because if you're getting stopped in, in this sense of, like, you're walking away from the script and not doing it anymore, you're just gonna, it's going to be that much easier just to forget about it. Yeah, or, yeah, totally, and lose interest. I feel like that's yeah. kind of the main... Uh, enemy of of creativity and that is like lose interest because you come across this obstacle that you've put yourself in you know mm-hmm. like a lot of times with with screenwriting and scripts and whatnot it comes down to putting your characters in these sort of dilemmas where they can't go left and can't go right you know what I mean and that's what's really interesting but also um it sucks when you have to come up with like a magical solution where it's like, Oof. oh man, that there's, you know, some, the piece of ceiling tile fell down and hit the robber on the head. You know, it's like, oh man, that's so stupid. But, um, that's the only thing I come up with, but you know, yeah, I mean, it, it it's different for everyone because whatever keeps you going works. I mean, it's easy to sit here and say like, "Oh, well, you should do this, you should do that." But it whatever gets you going, if you have to go to like you said, like you go from the middle of act 1 to the act 3 cuz you know the ending. Yeah. That even could change. So just totally. write it down. Write it down where you're at. Um and, yeah. and you'll be fine. Yeah, I do think writing it down as best you know it like really fast is kind of a an an okay way to at least get like a base outline. Yeah. You know. Um, and I know you make fun of me about this, but when I used to write scripts on my own, I used to handwrite them, and uh, yeah. you, you still make fun of me about that. So I used to like have a notebook and handwrite the whole script, and I did that because then I would one be forced to just write it, and I couldn't just go back and erase. Because what another thing people do, especially on computers, is they'll go, they'll like bulldoze through it, and they'll get through, you know, the scene that was really hard, and then they'll be like, ah, oh, you know what, I don't like it, and they'll go back and and dwell on that and erase it and re- try and rewrite it again. So for me, writing it with pen in a notebook, I'd write it and I'd just have to force myself through it. And then when I was transcribing it or rewriting it on the computer, in you know, uh, a program that I hope our audience will l- let us know which one they like best, um, <laughs> they would, uh, I, it would give me a chance to rewrite it and work on those sections that I needed to work on. Um, and because yeah. I think, especially with computers, the fact that you have re- you have you know revision history and all that, people will tend to be like, you know what, I'm five pages later, but I want to go back to this scene before I finish the script and really rework that. It's like, no, no, just keep going, keep going, keep going while the ideas are fresh in your mind, and then go back to it later. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, let's uh, let's end that there. Our discussion on coming up with ideas and. Avoiding mental blocks. And let's move on to what's cool. Ooh, I love this stuff. Uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. Uh, Alaska. I'll go first. Uh, um, okay. So there's this little device I got uh, for Christmas, actually. Ooh, Santi. The Elgato Stream Deck. Thanks, Santa. Elgato. Uh, yeah, it means the cat, although it's uh, all one word. Oh, So okay. I don't even know where it comes from. But basically... It's this little uh, keypad that you hook, you hook up to your computer via USB. Okay. It has an array of buttons. Tell me more. That all have a, it, its own little LED screen behind it. Yeah. And you can program the buttons to do all sorts of stuff. Basically, any hotkey you can muster. And then you can put a little image on the key to remind you what that key does. Nice. So I've started setting it up for things like Premiere and After Effects and mm-hmm. Photoshop to do all the hotkeys for me so I don't have to try to remember what yeah. it is for a specific thing. And it just has like a little picture on it and I can be like, oh yeah, that's the uh, select all to the right yeah. hotkey instead of hitting Control A Which in Premiere. Which is awesome because I've been using Premiere for probably 15 years, and I still don't know half the hotkeys. There's so many hotkeys. So and, and even more so, 
mother effing After Effects. Like, oh, the, uh, it's like, never ending. Never ending. I, like if I don't use After Effects once a month, I forget about it and I have to do tutorials if I use it again. Um, well, yeah. But having There's something just so like much that, to learn. Uh, I know having something like that just is amazing. Like just be able to hit a hotkey and be like, all right, this is what I need to do. It's very nice. It's very nice. I still one thing that I still kind of want is like a jog wheel. Oh, you know, that'd be amazing. Um, a little shuttle wheel. A little shuttle wheel for would premiere. Be nice go for through premiere. the timeline and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I think the only hotkeys I, I mean, I know for sure L, you know, plays, speeds up, double mm-hmm. time, triple time. Yep. Um, you know, you got your C, C, you got a, V, A, V. Yeah, I mean, uh, like those are the ones I use every day. But yeah, exactly. Ah, so tough, so tough to remember that. I'm gonna jump into a movie. Okay. Um, I know you saw it. Um, a Quiet Place. Ah, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. As as horror fiends as me and Alex are, loved it. I wouldn't classify it as your typical horror. Definitely more thriller. Um, but yeah. smart. Well, because, I mean, as with everything, there's a couple problems. Uh, with it, um, uh, Alex tends to have more problems with movies than I do. Um, <laughs> he's uh, what we call a hater. Um, but I'm a, a critical studies major. Uh, I know, me too, and it sucks to go into a movie and, and analyze it. But uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. I thought it was well done. The acting and the writing were great. It was all those things. I agree. I really liked it. Um, but I think it was a pretty... <laughs> I don't think it was different from your standard. I mean, it was a pretty standard creature horror movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was pretty good. Uh, I, well, actually, I would say, aside, uh, from not being a standard creature horror movie, it was because it was so well done. Wow. Because when you think of like wow. horror, creature creature movies, God, you think of kind of like. hate on people. Well, when you think of creature movies, you uh-huh. think of like cheesy, crappy, like kind of foam costumes and to be fair you were worried about the monsters in the i was and they look pretty good they look damn good they look look pretty good good. i was really worried about that from the trailer but i i think they fixed it or they did something okay okay um i do think the one thing that i wish they had done more of or done better okay was um sort of leaving stuff to the imagination you know, a little bit. I mean, you're not going to do any spoilers for people who haven't seen it with the whiteboard that John Krasinski. Not, not even that. I mean, yeah, I had a problem with the. You whiteboard. definitely had a problem. I had with a big that. problem with the whiteboard, but I'm talking more about the creature itself. You know, like I like uh, seeing not seeing scary things all the way. You know, like I like okay. imagining what the scary thing is that's happening, or like seeing it slightly out of frame, or like just hearing it. You know, like the sounds are what. And then building to the reveal of the creature, but they show it right away. I mean, but see, if you're going to do that, you got to come with your A game when you show the creature. For sure, and because, they did, and they did. I'm okay. I'm better. I'm more okay with that than than. Uh, I mean, again, love this movie. Signs. I feel that they did a lot of like not showing the creature, but then when they show the creature, the A game was not brought. It was like a, I agree, it was like 100%. a B, B minus game. Yeah, it was a B minus game all around, not just from the creature, but yeah. I, I mean, it was okay. I mean, Science was entertaining. It was okay. It was good. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me you hate on Science. You're hating on Science? I'm hating on Science. What? Why? Oh, well, uh, it's, it's almost like a comedic punchline at this point wow. with like the water. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is <laughs> a pretty... You forgot about the water. No, that's a cop out. And I mean... Uh, Again, it's the magical solution that happened to yeah, present itself. I love M. Night, and I love M. Night, but the whole idea of like everything fitting together is like, it's a little, swing away, a little swing, away, yeah, yeah, swing away. It's like, ah, like I know what you're trying to do, M. Night, but... Yeah. Um, I think it's Mud Night. Mud Night. Mud Period Night. But yeah, I mean, I liked The Quiet Place a lot, and I thought it was really good. Uh, I do think... All the acting was really good. John Krasinski did a good job directing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to see... One thing I do like to see is that when it's um, a, a team of writers and then somebody else comes in and rewrites it. Um, because you hear things of like The Hangover where some of the pivotal points in the movie that were so funny, like the tiger and Mike Tyson, were not in the original script. 
Right. Um, and so there were two writers. Um, I'm going to, you know, just search their name uh, right now. There were two writers that wrote the script. Um, Scott Beck and Brian Woods, they wrote it together. And then when John Krasinski came on board, he rewrote it. I'd like to see how much he changed. Um, yeah, like what was see. the original? Yeah, what was the original? Um, uh, but uh, you know what? It gives me hope. It gives me hope. I, we have a couple of horror uh, creature features that we mm-hmm. uh, are writing. Um, and it kind of gives me hope that the creature feature might be back. It was all paranormal stuff for a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, but big fan of creature features, I feel. Especially me and Alex are big fans of practical effects. Um Makeups and puppets and all that, mm-hmm. and so I feel like the return of the creature feature. I'm would, all for it. Would do away with CGI, which was well done in Quiet Place, but gives it, it back to the uh, the practical effects of the creatures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, another cool thing that uh, I am just bringing up for all of the all of you in the LA area. Uh, JL Fisher, who mm. makes some cool dollies. Gotcha. Um, you know, you've probably seen them. They're those crazy crab dollies with the booming, uh, arm on them and whatnot. Yeah. Um, they have an annual barbecue that they host, mm-hmm. uh, at the facility and they're doing it on May 19th this year. Okay. Um, and it's just a cool place to go meet up with different filmmakers, get some barbecue, uh, see some uh, demonstrations, and and learn some new things and whatnot. And it's just kind of a cool thing that they do. Uh, I heard about it from uh, a friend of mine, Mark, who... Ah, uh, uh, Mark. Yeah, he's just a... Just needs two. Just needs two. Exactly. Um, he has a equipment rental and soundstage rental business. And so he's all about the networking and mm-hmm. going to see different gear and stuff like that. So he's the one that turned me on to it. I didn't go last year. I might try to go this year. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. So if you guys happen to be in L.A. and you want to stop by and if you uh, know what I look like and want to <laughs> say hi, go for it. Oh, don't be creepy like he is. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, that, no, that'd be cool. I, I, I wanted to go last year. Didn't make it. Maybe go this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that that about does it. That about That's does it. going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode three. Three, 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 three. And uh, don't forget to go check out our stuff on iTunes. Download it, stream it, share it with your friends. Do whatever and you want with it. And subscribe. And uh, if you want to, if you like us, Ooh. please uh, give us a five-star rating because it'll help us out. If you like one of us rather than both of us, still leave it in the comments. Rating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you really hate Alex remember, or me, remember it's me. A-L-E-X yeah. for the one you like. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's probably um, going to be the common one, yeah. <laughs> and also, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at Cinema Summit. And, and also make sure you can uh, shoot us some questions if you want us to ask some que- answer some questions on our next podcast. Any questions you have about no budget filmmaking, we'll try and answer all the ones we get in. Help yeah. you guys out to make your next big project. Exactly. Visit, visit us on the blog, cinemasummit.com. You can leave us comments. Uh, contact us on the website there, and we'll get back to you. Yeah, guys, and have a good week, and we'll talk to you soon. Later. Bye.